0: Island hopping along the Amalfi Coast, couscous in Palermo, and aperitivo in Turin. This week, we're in Italy. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat, Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This week, it's the best of Italy with lemons on the Amalfi Coast, dried fruit in Sicily, and little plates in Turin. And as a bonus non-Italy topic, I talk with TV's Joseph Rosendo. About his latest project. But first, if you enjoy Destination Eat Drink, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app. It's super easy to do, and it sure does help getting more people to know about the show. Thank you so very much. Everyone has Italy on their bucket list, so I thought we'd revisit some of my favorite conversations about one of the world's most popular destinations. Of course, there's tons of food and wine talk, as well as cocktails and I'm starving, so let's eat.
1: Destination, eat, drink.
0: Kathy McCabe is the creator of Dream of Italy, the TV show on PBS, and the newsletter of the same name. She was also one of the first big-name guests to come on to the podcast, so I'll always be grateful to her for that. Hard to imagine that was nearly five years ago. I also hear that there's a new season of Dream of Italy in the works, so we'll keep you up to date when that happens. Kathy and I here talk about the Amalfi Coast and visiting some great wineries. Today's podcast is about the Amalfi Coast, and when you go to the Amalfi Coast, what's your favorite thing to do and your favorite thing to eat?
2: (laughs) I have a dirty secret and that's that I'm not, I don't like seafood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's okay. I don't eat seafood either. And still, I love going to Amalfi.
2: Oh, I like to eat anything with lemons. You know, the lemons there, they're gigantic. So not just limoncello, but you know, they make different pastas with lemon desserts and just anything with lemon is So delicious there. I love to be on the ocean, near the ocean. I love the little islands. You know, I love Capri, but, um, and I actually am wearing right now. My mother has, um, there's a whole long story to it. She has a, she had a necklace with a bell that says Capri on it. And there's a legend that uh, St. Michael um, had this bell so his sheep wouldn't get lost. So they would hear each other. And if you wear this bell, you're never alone. And so my mom had this for more than 50 years, this necklace. So I I wear it now. And I'd like to go back and do a story about there's a particular jewelry store that sells these. Ischia is another island off of um, the Amalfi Coast. They have these great hot thermal springs. Um, I went on a trip there actually quite maybe 20 years ago and it's like going it was like going back in time like the real italian sort of beach vacation i love the movie il postino so i went to the third island in that group which is procida with nobody go not many people go to and that's really cool so the amalfi coast it can get crowded but i think you can find um these other islands to go to hiking um wineries there's there's, um we did a story on Tenuta San Francesco uh, winery in Tramonti, and it's one of the only uh, vineyards that wasn't wiped out in the 18th, 19th, 18th or 19th century uh, with phylloxera. So they actually, because of the volcanic volcanic soil, it was 19th century. The volcanic soil protected the vines, so you're actually having this really kind of rare wine experience.
0: These are, Um, these are original vines because a lot of people don't know that uh, the vines were wiped out in all of Europe from this disease. And the wine, the wine that you're drinking now is actually grafted root from probably North American stock. I know.
2: Can you believe it? It's crazy. Yeah. If you go to this vineyard in particular, you can have that experience, which is really unique. Um, This, this, fall when I was on the Amalfi Coast. I was in Positano and also in Conca de Marini, which I'll tell you about in a second. And I met a woman who runs a company called Swirl the Glass. And they they do a lot of wine tours. So there's a lot of vineyards in here. And then my ancestral hometown is probably maybe an hour and a half all in Irpina, in Avellino. This is a really, really important and up-and-coming wine area. So you can even get off the coast and go in there. My friend Gaetano runs a company called the Wine Bus. Um, so he takes people. Uh, I think there's a lot more to the Amalfi Coast than people think. One of my favorite hotels, you have to save up for a long time, but one of my favorite hotels in the whole world is called Monastero Santa Rosa. And it's in an old mon- an old um, monastery where they invented sfogliatelle And uh, so if you're ever looking to break the bank, that's the place to go.
0: Marco Scappoggini is the founder of Niche Italy, a tour company that takes visitors all over Italy for week-long vacations. He talks about the rivalry between Sicily and Naples and the food culture of Sicily.
3: First of all, uh, for you to know that I'm from Naples, my wife is from Palermo, so we we create the kingdom of the two Sicilies.
0: For people who don't know, for a long time, Naples and Sicily were part of the same kingdom, the kingdom of two Sicilies.
3: Uh, Exactly.
0: And now you've created this in your household.
3: Exactly. So we have two kids, uh, and uh, for me it's very important that they support the Napoli soccer team. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I'm trying to do a little brainwash to them, but maybe it's too early now.
0: (laughs) Keep working on it. You'll get there.
3: Yeah. And um, again, uh, what I like about Palermo that uh, really when I decide to move to Palermo for love, but then also to put my Italian base uh, for the tour is because uh, technically it's the town that reminds me of Naples the most. Uh, the difference that uh, uh, in Naples, we don't have a big uh, um, heritage in the Arab uh, culture that, right. that uh, instead of uh, in Palermo, you can find uh, very deeply uh from the market from uh, the also the mentality when we say arab usually we talk about like north africa and uh, or the eastern um the east southeast of the mediterranean basin because you know C- sicily um, naples we had the domination but mostly there were spanish and french in sicily uh, everybody <laughs> went right to Sicily and would like to stay there because they were exactly at the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, so they can be in the best spot to control the trade, to control the military action. And that's why... And you know what I noticed? That uh, uh, in Sicily, who came uh, um, after didn't destroy what the other population uh, built before. So that's why you maybe move around 20 miles, and you find, yeah, from the Greek temples, then you you find the Spanish Baroque architecture, you go in Palermo, and you have the Norman Arab architecture, so that's, uh, so doing uh, Palermo, but doing Sicily, I, I always say you save a lot of money, because in one island, in one week, you do like, you're doing a trip of the Mediterranean <laughs> part of Europe, you can see in it a all. week. <laughs> yes. You mentioned
0: yes. the Arabs, they brought so much to Sicily, they brought citrus to Sicily, they brought a lot of the nuts and the fruits to Sicily. What uh, what is some of the Arab influence in Sicily, and how does it how does it show itself today in what we would eat when we go to Palermo?
3: Palermo and all the west coast of Sicily is the one with the with the major Arab uh, domination and uh, influence. So, as you said, the, the fruit, but especially the dry fruit. Um, imagine that um, right now we have a, a white wine. It is called Zibibo, so the, this grape uh, is a, is a family of the Moscato grape, and it was brought by uh, the uh, Egyptian uh, um, like over six hundred years ago, and it was used for years only for doing the raisin for the couscous. Now oh, okay. they make a wine out of this grape, but <laughs> and you have to think that the, the, the farm the local farmers were using for make wine like fifty or six years ago was terrible it was like amber color, very thick. Sweet, undrinkable. Un- <laughs>
4: <Right. laughs>
3: but now it's now it's wine of the finest uh, aromatic uh, uh, wine that we do in Sicily. But again, uh, so uh, raisin is a typical example of the Arab influence in the food because uh, the couscous is something that was coming clearly from uh, Maghreb, from North Africa, or from Egypt, uh, and it was introduced in the, in uh, in Trapani first, so which is on the northwest corner of uh, of Sicily. And uh, because uh, Palermo, uh, you know that the name Palermo, means Pan Ormus, so from the ancient Greek means all uh, harbour. And uh, till now, uh, one of the strengths and the weaknesses of Palermo is that the harbour side is taking most of the part of the seaside of Palermo. But in the past, it was very important because uh, you, you can have a big economy coming also from the fishing activity. So, what happened? The the North African that brought the couscous, but when you go to Maghreb, the couscous is always with the, uh, lamb, uh, with vegetables, so it's very hard to find the seafood couscous, which was uh, kind of um, uh, invented by the, the Sicilian, the Northwest Sicilian, because they had a lot of seafood coming in Palermo with a fishing boat, so they were using the couscous instead of the bread. Uh, when you have a uh, seafood soup, uh, even if you go to Tuscany, you have like the garlic bread in the bottom and the, and the seafood soup on the top, uh, like the bouillabaisse from France. That's a, that's a little bit what happens in Sicily, but they use the couscous. <laughs> so that, that's okay. uh, just an example of this uh, melting pot of culture where the Arab uh, influence is very, very, uh, very uh, important.
0: One of my absolute favorite things about Palermo is all the outdoor markets Marco, talk about the different outdoor markets in Palermo, and what are some of your favorite things to buy there?
3: Uh, first of all, uh, yes, obviously Palermo uh, and the other town of Sisi, uh, like Syracuse, that also have a very nice spice market in Ortigia. Uh, oh, they, yes, I they, love
0: that market in Ortigia. It's one of my favorite places.
3: I know, I know. And it, it, that one is, is an old spice market, you know, because uh, uh, Syracuse was one of the oldest uh, Greek harbor, and so all the merchants from the eastern Mediterranean were going to Siracusa to trade the spices, and it's still like that. But that's, we're going to talk about Siracusa maybe later, but <laughs> coming <laughs> back to Palermo, yes. uh, the Palermo style is more like the souk, the souk in, uh, in Morocco or in Tunisia, so the real uh, uh, Arab market. So what's the characteristic? Uh, we have uh, three main markets in Palermo, so La Vucceria, Ballarò, and Il Capo. Uh, and uh, they have uh, three uh, different characteristics. First of all, la vucceria is the most historical one, and uh, is probably the one uh, that is more similar to a souk. Why? You know what vucceria means? No. Uh, vucceria is a direct word coming from a vucciare, which means screaming in in the Sicilian dialect. <laughs> because yes, because like in the arab it's So sukh, true. Yeah, all the vendors are screaming. Pesci <laughs> Which is a kind of song, uh, but is the way to attract the the, the customer to go there and right. buy. So that's very very Arab, and um, and uh, and Buccheria now it stays a little bit like a historical place, but is not the most active. Uh, you go to Buccheria a lot for the street food. They do the stigliole uh when you go in the in the, the main square of ucheria market uh, you see all these uh, open air grill that are um, grilling these uh, like skewers uh, like uh, they look like little kebab but uh, in the reality <laughs> they are like the Intestine of the of the veal of yeah, the yeah uh,
2: yeah
3: <laughs> 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 but if you don't know it you eat fava well, wow, it's super it's super sweet <laughs> so
0: guess what you that, just ate
3: <laughs> yeah exactly and um, and then uh, uh, Ballarò um, is uh, is in the like a uh, real um, historical center of Palermo but uh, is the medieval market uh, Ballarò. And is more open during the weekend. We, we uh, in Palermo we call it the weekend market, um, and uh, it's very famous for uh, the fruit and vegetables. But also there are a lot of uh, butcher shop, uh, so people go there for buy the meat, uh, especially in the in the weekend. And uh, the last but not the least is Mercato del Capo. Mercato del Capo is actually my favorite because it's the one where I go to do the grocery. Is, uh, is the one that is the most active. Is the one where the Palermitans are going to do the, the, the groceries. So it's not uh, like a place to visit. It's a place to go and buy, and that's where I usually take my people so that we can have a, like a true experience. Capo means the um, the head in in Italian, but in this in this specific case is because it's on the top of a little hill, in the center of Palermo, that's why it was called Il Capo.
0: Cecilia Puca runs I Eat Food Tours and Events in Turin, one of my all-time favorite foodie cities, and she tells me why she thinks Turin is so special and the culture of the aperitivo. What makes Turin such a special place?
1: Oh, Brian, this is a very interesting question and it requires an articulated answer. So, you know, the Piedmontese cuisine is among the most uh, varied and uh, refined in our country. Uh, Piedmont is the second largest Italian region after Sicily, and it's also one of the most interesting for the territory, uh, the history, the contacts with other cultures. Uh, You know, Piedmont is a a borderland, leaning on French, uh, surrounded by Western Alps, bordered by the Ligurian Apennines uh, and crossed by the Po River. It's uh, a land of history, from the Romans uh, to the Savoy, from Olivetti to Fiat. And, you know, a huge plus value about uh, Piedmont, uh, in my opinion, is the fact that it's uh, a land of uh, contamination with its beautiful mountains. By the way, Piedmont means uh, at the foot of the mountain, uh, the very rich water resources from uh, Lake Maggiore to Ticino, from Lake Orta to Tanaro, uh, not to mention the gentle and wonderful uh, Illy areas from Lange to Monferrato, which are UNESCO heritage, famous for the beautiful and gorgeous wines, such as Barolos and Barberas, among many others, but also well-known for uh, the precious truffles, especially the white ones from Alba. So, you know, as as, uh, as you can easily understand uh, in such uh, a rich, a huge uh, scenario, the food and wine culture represent a fundamental value, uh, a tradition, and uh, a resource. So it is not a coincidence that the slow food movement uh, was uh, born here back in 1980, in the region that uh, is uh, first in Italy for uh, chocolate production which offers uh, Alba truffles and exports some of the most famous wines in the world. And, you know, it is really difficult in uh, so much uh, richness uh, to single out uh, just a few dishes that uh, can be the symbols of the local uh, culinary art. Um, let's say that Turin uh, is uh, a capital uh, of uh, taste uh, from the most uh, refined and uh, aristocratic to the most uh, authentic and very genuine so it's uh, what I call uh, a city of many parts and when we design our culinary experiences in Turin uh, the aim was to be able to let our food explorers uh, be really embraced by a region indeed of uh, many parts where flavors and history culture meet create together a very special and charming uh, recipe. Uh, Moreover, due to our different uh, background, in fact, uh, we both, as a founder and co-founder, me and uh, Chef Abram, uh, we are uh, a sociologist and a life coach and, of course, a certified foodie. And Abram is a professional chef with uh, Michelin Stars background. So we do everything we can to offer to our guests an interesting, uh, unique and creative way to discover our land. And we are uh, really so much uh, looking forward to welcoming the world to Italy and to Piedmont and of course uh, to Turin.
0: You know, the the thing that I notice is, you know, you go anywhere in Italy and you get an aperitivo and maybe you'll get like a little cup of potato chips or a little dish of olives, but in Turin, you can have very fancy aperitivo um, to go with your drink. In, in other words, some nice food spread set out for them. What kinds of things might we eat with our, with our drink?
1: Yeah, well, um, let's say that in Italy, the modern aperitif was established at the end of the 18th century with the spread of vermouth. So uh, vermouth was born in 1786 in Turin. When the herbalist Antonio Benedetto Carpano, in his nice workshop in the very center of the city, combined wine with an infusion of herbs and roots. Well, that was a huge success because he just sent his laboratory, his workshop was uh, right in front to the Turin Palace. So he just sent some bottles to taste to the king. Uh, well, it was a huge success due to the favor of King Vittorio Amedeo the You know, if you had the blessing of a king, uh, your products for sure <laughs> could uh, become a huge success because kings and queens were the best influencers brand in the time. Yes. So if kings say this is a good product, well, <laughs> then for sure you could score like crazy. So, um, The the vermouth is the most representative uh, um, drink uh, in Turin. And it's a very special uh, uh, and complex uh, uh, drink uh, because of this uh, very special uh, combination of uh, herbs and roots, uh, very kind of magical recipes. Uh, You know, there are some very, very... Sort of esoterical rules uh, uh, behind the the recipe of, uh, of a vermouth. So this fortified wine can really give you an amazing, amazing experience if you are a person who like to taste Many ingredients, and with a good vermouth, you can really taste all the the spiciness, the sweetness. Uh, um, it's it's a very complex, uh, and uh, you have to be open for uh, a vermouth experience. But it's something that very it's very representative uh, of Turin, uh, and it's something that we love to share, especially when uh, we run our uh, Turin. Uh, wine and dine experience Uh, we start with the special selection of the best uh, uh, vermouth from turin for different to red vermouth and to white vermouth from different uh, houses and along with uh, the vermouth we in turin especially in turin we love to not just serving uh patatine chips uh, and olives uh, but so many different type of uh, mini dishes so if you have a beautiful if you are really joining a very beautiful uh, high quality aperitif then you have uh, some uh, canapé and uh, some delicious mini cold and warm dishes so it becomes almost actually it's Almost itself like a dinner.
0: Let's finish up this week with Joseph Rosendo. He was the host of Travel Scope on PBS for 12 seasons. He's also been on Destination Eat Drink twice. Now he's stepping out with a brand new show coming to public broadcasting later this year. Joseph Rosendo. I'm so excited to get to talk to you because I follow you on social media. I saw this post pop up that got me really jones that you've got a new show coming out, Joseph Rosendo's Steppin' Out. And we're going to talk later in the year about that show, but I wanted you to come on and just talk about some of these new things that you're up to. So first of all, welcome to Destination Eat Drink. What's going on in
4: Joseph Rosendo world? Thank you very much, Brett. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I hope you're enjoying yourself in Portugal. What a wonderful country, and I'm sure you love being there. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, yes. I've, the newest thing is that um, people have been following me for the 15 years of Joseph Rosendo's Travelscope at Joseph Resendo and Joseph Rosendo's Travelscope on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, um, but now with the new show coming out uh, the end of this year, beginning of next year, Joseph Rosendo Stepping Out, uh, I have a new uh, company and a new site, uh, and it's Joseph Rosendo Presents. And I certainly would love your listeners uh, and your readers to uh, head over there and start to follow me on Joseph Rosendo Presents on both Instagram and um, and Facebook and on TikTok, actually. I'm uh <laughs> in, with, in with the young crowd over at TikTok and uh enjoying it over there as well. Nice. So, yes, it would be wonderful if they could follow me. There, I'm I'm posting uh travel scope information in those sites as well so they can stay up to date with Travel Scope, what you know, what shows are airing on Create and mm-hmm. on PBS. From the travel scopes uh, uh, library of 135 shows, but they can really start following me today, what I'm doing now, and the new things that are happening with um with Joseph Rosendo and with um Joseph Rosendo Presents, what that means and and what that all entails, and particularly the new um the new uh very a new iteration of Travel Scope, which is uh, Joseph just resendo stepping out. And it means exactly what it says. Just Rosendo is stepping out, and uh the show is called Just Rosendo Stepping Out. And they're, they're stepping out with me into new, new, new areas, new, new ways of looking at the world and that, that we live in, new ways of traveling, new ways of being uh who we are and and new ways of becoming the best that we can be.
0: I'm really excited about the new show and I know we're going to talk about it in depth later on this year, but could you give me just a thumbnail? Maybe tell me some of the places that you go on this new show, stepping Out, and just give us a, a brief little idea as to what viewers can expect.
4: Yeah, well, I always love to talk to you when I'm in the beginning of doing things because you are always really good about keeping up to date and and updating your uh, your listeners and your viewers. Uh, of uh, of of what's happening with the people that you've been uh, interviewing. So I I always love to talk to you at the beginning of of things. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, in addition to uh, Just Presenter Presents on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok they can also go to the new website which is simply josephresendo.com so it makes it real simple dot um some of the destinations that we're shooting for we we, we shot uh, our pilot and first episode was shot in Cadiz Spain where we featured um a, a a a five Michelin star chef i mean not the restaurant doesn't have five stars but he has five stars the restaurant called Miramar, very close to Cariquez in Longcha is Yancha is uh, is a two star Michelin chef. We featured him, and then in Karikez itself, we featured a European champion, a crafts drink maker, and uh, or a uh, uh, inventor, and a very lovely guy at, at the Bioa uh, restaurant and bar right there on the bay in Cariquez in addition to that and that show we featured the art of salvador dali because that was where salvador dali lived uh lived with his wife uh and he lived there pretty much right till the end and um and his it's it's just a wonderful place to visit and spectacular uh uh, location but besides that show we've gone to we uh just came back from myrtle beach in south carolina a wonderful eye-opening experience for me on the schedule is bolivia uh, we also have a uh, we're going back to ireland to do a river cruise uh one of those la boat um you drive it uh, the cruise boats on on, oh, on cool. rivers yeah we, we we've done several shows with them we did a show in canada on the Rideau canal and we did a show in the lot river in france uh piloting the boat uh vessels through the locks and all the experiences and all the little towns you meet along the way we're going to be doing that on the Shannon and earn rivers in uh ireland and that's going to be really exciting to to be back on the boat again and, and experiencing ireland again which I'd, i absolutely totally love uh, in addition to that we have uh, several other asian destinations that are in the works uh for, for for sure. Uh we're going to be um, as I mentioned, heading back to Ireland. But we have uh, the Bolivia show, but we have something in the work that's extremely interesting and in keeping with the new show, stepping out. I'm gonna be stepping out uh and heading to Base Camp, uh Everest Base Camp as one of the shows. Um, I don't know if we're we'll, oh, that uh, that's going to be an amazing experience personally and uh, and that's that's really the gist of the show is to be more personal and to reveal more of who Joseph Rosendo is this this host and uh, director that people have known for 15 years. Let's find a little bit more about him and what he's like uh, when he's put in these situations that are are that are beyond his comfort zone in many ways. So that's going to be one of the the highlights of the trip. We're also looking at Greece. As one of our destinations. Uh, I, I was there before on a small cruise ship. It's a fabulous uh, country. Uh, we'll probably spend most of our time in Athens and surrounding this time last time we were in the islands. but that's 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 also in the works and planning to happen uh, uh, in uh, the, the, this summer before we have the, the Bolivia trip. And the uh, Everest trip will probably happen in October. Um, will, I'll be in Ireland in September. And uh, there's a couple of other destinations in the United States. I'm staying close to home. We have uh, Tampa, Florida. I'm from, originally from Florida. And my family is from um, uh, originally my, on my mother's side. My Her family was from Tampa, uh, by Cuba by way of Tampa, and then ultimately Miami, where I was born. And I'm going to be featuring Tampa and one of the big festivals they have there. And in the beginning of next year, we'll be shooting that. And it'll be part of this season, though. So, you know, a lot of good things in the works with some things here close to home. And then a little bit more exotic with uh, Bolivia, the Himalayas, uh, Ireland, always a a wonderful destination. And we've got some other things planned for for eight shows for the first season and onward and upward from there. I'll be add add to the 135 shows that I have airing as part of Travel Scope. I'm totally jonesing
0: for all these. All of these places are either places I've been or places I want to go. M- maybe not the Himalayas. You, you can ah! go and do that. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, like,
4: think, of it, think of it in terms of Nepal. We're going to Nepal. <laughs> okay. Okay. So okay. We, we'll be featuring Nepal, which is an amazing destination, as a matter of fact, and walking towards. And yeah, I, and I say that very—you know—walking towards base camp will be part of the experience, uh, just because of all the wonderful, um, uh, the wonderful people you meet along the way. Think of that. Think of the people we meet, the people that make these kinds of experiences possible for climbers, the climbers themselves, and the people who live in the villages that are that are that are along the way. I mean, that's really the. the I, I'm not trying to climb Everest. And I'm not trying to kill myself uh, by getting into 17,000 feet elevations, but I, <laughs> I I do want to be stepping out. I want to step out, you know. I want to, and I want to show my viewers that even no matter what your age, there are many ways that you can step out of your comfort zone or your cocoon or of, of, of what you're used to, your of what you, or what you think of the stereotypes and the, and the preconceived ideas you may have about a destination or an experience. And you can step out beyond that and you can do it for all of your, for the rest of your life. And that's really the message I'm just Rosendo stepping out.
0: That's a great message. And that's, I've always enjoyed that with you on Travel Scope is that you put yourself right in the center. Like you just jump right in. And it sounds like you are being even more adventurous now, looking forward to seeing the show when it airs on PBS. Until then, we will uh, say uh, adios, as we do in Portugal, and we'll look forward to talking to you again later this year about the show in more detail. Thank you for being here today, Joseph, to talk about your upcoming adventures on stepping Out.
4: I think I need to say abrogado, Right. <laughs> Abri- yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> obrigado. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, right?
0: <laughs> yes, 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 indeed.
4: Okay, so abrogado and uh, uh, bom dia. Ate log. <laughs>
0: okay, there you go. Thanks to all my guests who are on the show, and you can get links to them in the show notes as well as the full episodes with each of them at slash DED240. Can't wait to get back to Italy. In fact, We'll be going there for the first time in a few years at the end of this month. I'll let you know how that goes. If you're planning a summer trip, I've got a ton of foodie travel guides to cities all over Italy. You can get those at DestinationEatDrink.com. Just click on Italy. And while you're there, sign up for the Destination Eat Drink newsletter. And if you can, drop us a couple of bucks by clicking on the Contribute button. I also just posted a story at Destination Eat Drink about a unique pastry from the Algarve region of Portugal called the Fojado de Lule. Read that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. And there's a new video at Destination Eat Drink. It's about a town in Portugal that's a quick ferry ride from Lisbon. I do a food crawl and see some amazing sights in Almada. You can get that at DestinationEatDrink.com. Just click on the video tab or go to the YouTube channel at Destination Eat Drink 946. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we are in Saigon. We'll see that fascinating city on two wheels and have some great dishes, too. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy whose family was kicked out of Italy for adding scotch to the Sunday Marinara, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.